Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. It's been a while, but Big Jim and Goody are back. Happy New Year, boys. How you been? Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, James and Andy Rowe and Tim and all the millions of listeners. Yeah, Happy New Year. Do you say happy? Can you put that at the beginning? I refuse to say it. Just New Year. It's a new year. It's a new year. And 2020 is behind us. No, it's not. No, it's not. It is still upon us. I'm not going to be negative. I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to read books. And here's to a healthy 2022. I mean, 2021. Mate, you sound like you're pumped for, for this year. You you know, you say you're not going to be negative. You were known as the Sappuccino monster. All I know is that the highlight of my day was to go and get a coffee from the Wellington Coffee in Edinburgh. Absolutely amazing. And apparently you can't do that anymore. So I'm as positive as this radiator sat next to me in the garage. I don't know whether the millions out, out there can see or even hear that I am breathing. It might be my breath, actually, but I'm breathing fog because I'm that cold in the garage. But I want to be positive about it. Happy New Year to everyone. Hope you had a good Christmas. And we move forward as the great William... Sir Lancaster said, or whatever that bloke's name was, who wrote that book about <laughs> mythology. <laughs> where, where are you going, Jim? How was your Christmas, Jim? How was a Christmas? Shite. What do you mean? <laughs> Did you buy all your kids an indoor go-kart or something? I see you got a track set up in the house. Well, there's one got a tractor. Max got a tractor. Freya got a, a, pie, a bike. Phoebe got some roller shoes off Santa. JJ was raging because he didn't get a, a lizard. So I was like, well, mate, at what point do you think Father Christmas is going to buy you a lizard, mate? They live till about 15. So he was raging Christmas Day. And we've spoken about it before, many a time, Andrew, about your ideal... You, you know, you put yourselves in these scenarios. What would you do if you won £10 million? Well, I would not be staying in England or Scotland. I'd be moving to somewhere where... Probably Bali or somewhere like that. But you put yourself in the scenario. Me and Goody have done it before... Give me your ideal Christmas day. Ideal Christmas day. Well, I'm going to give you mine. My ideal Christmas day would be Christmas Eve, a couple of glasses of wine, put the mince pies out for Father Christmas, put the carrots out the front door, fall asleep watching a movie, wake up half eight, nine o'clock, bit dusty, go for a walk, take the dog out, open the presents with the kids calmly around the Christmas tree, really calmly where there's no screaming and there's no panic. And then watch it unfold all the presents are put together so you don't need to put them together they've got batteries in them already but they're all put together you don't need screwdrivers out and the kids are all sat there happy go for another walk with the dog come home go for a walk by myself come home dinner's on the table (laughs) and the turkey is that succulent that you don't need a chainsaw that we needed this year to cut it open (laughs) next turkey wasn't great again was it it was on me this time, raging. I'll come back to that. So you sat there, you're eating your turkey. It is melting. It is melting in your mouth as opposed to drinking three pints of water just to get one mouthful <laughs> down. <laughs> then I'd go out and walk the dog again because I'm a bit full. I probably need to go to the toilet, but I'm going to make sure the bowels are moving. Get home, go to the toilet. It's movie time. It could be anything. Home Alone, Love Actually. It could be The Goonies. It could be anything. It could be the Karate Kid series that I'm watching now because there's nothing else to do. Glass of wine, a beer. Drink that one. My eyes start to feel a bit heavy, fall asleep. Wake up two hours later, kids are in bed. It's half seven, eight o'clock. Kids are knackered. They've been up since three. They're in bed. Bex put them to bed. Watch a Christmas movie and then move into Boxing Day and go on holiday. That would be the dream scenario. Polar opposite. 
<laughs> Polar opposite in my house. We're up at R3. We're up at R4. Father Christmas nearly didn't come. Come on, Who, uh, Whose kids are getting up at R3, R4? When you've got four of them, mate, they're all waking up. They're like chimpanzees at the gate. Santa! Santa! <laughs> I'm like, Santa doesn't exist. What are you going on about? <laughs> so it wasn't the most relaxing of Christmas days. Uh, the kids enjoyed it, I think. And we thought we'd go into the new year with a bang. And that's exactly what we did. JJ was sledging, hit a lamppost, Broke his ankle on New Year's Eve. No. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I was desperate to be the one to take him down to A&E. He won't have any of it. So Bet got the green card, the lucky card, to take him down to A&E. He wasn't happy with that because I shouted at him and called him an idiot. So he weren't talking to me. <laughs> and that was that was me New Year's Eve. But enough about me, Andrew. You, did Pablo make dinner? What happened? No, no, because obviously we went into tier four um, and I had to do it myself. But... Is that a green card then to take your kid to A&E or stay at home with the other three? In today's climate, it is, yes. <laughs> oh, firstly, is JJ okay? Is he, you know, is he recovering? Is he talking to you? We're on talking terms now. Bex told me I can't call him an idiot again, even though it was completely his fault. But we're on talking terms. Yeah, he's broke his ankle. He's done soft tissue. Hey, his dad was one of the artists who have done it. I was walking around with broken legs left, right, centre. So there's no sympathy here. Blood and bones, I'm fine. Temperatures, systemic, not so much. You can't see inside the human body, can you? So the, the other stuff, I'm fine. But no, we're on talking terms now, thanks. Good, good, good. Yeah, my uh, Christmas was interesting. The twins woke up at half nine. What, uh, uh, in the morning? Yeah, yeah. Not the Pop- night before, no? Excited, no? No, no, we put them to bed about nine o'clock put the mince pies out and the carrots and all that stuff. They knew Santa was coming, but I said, Santa doesn't come unless you stay asleep till at least nine o'clock. Said that. I, I said that. Yeah, you telling me that I said that 20 times. <laughs> and I was, woke up at half nine in the morning. So very relaxed Christmas morning. We didn't see any family because of the, obviously the lockdown rule. So it was just uh, me and the girls. And yeah, the missus, yeah, I think she's fed up with me now. Best present that I got for the twins. Love an educational toy. And it, it's, this will sound really shit, but it's made me quite happy over this period of, of no podcast and uh, Christmas period. So we bought the twins some wooden alphabet magnets that you stick on the fridge, you know, teaching them about words. So real simple words like poo, hot poo, poo we, all this stuff. Anyway, that's, um, you know, they, they we do the right thing by them, teaching them throughout the day. And then, you know, the missus obviously puts them to bed and I help out a little bit and eventually I go downstairs and every day I'm just putting a different word on on the fridge so I've put cock and balls and mummy is a you know what and all these different things and I find it really funny and the missus just looks at me and she's like have you not spoken to Jim today and I said well I have yeah she goes well I can tell that you've spoken to Jim because you're in a really immature mood and you two are like children you wrote, you wrote peel back in the letters <laughs> peel back was been, been on there and she's like what's a peel back I said have you ever seen the length of Jim's foreskin she said no so uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous it's ridiculous it really is so uh, that's about as fun as uh, as much fun as I've had over um, at Christmas the missus is I think she She's at a wit's end with me, to be honest. Um, she's like, you just need to get back on the pod and get rid of all your immaturity and then come downstairs um, when you're mature and a decent father again. I've got a confession to make as well. Go on. During Christmas, I had two of my darkest days. I had the Christmas blues came early. Normally, the Christmas blues come around January the 8th. I don't know why I've put that date in there. Day before JJ's birthday, and then it's his birthday, and then I'm all right, I'm happy. Just too dark. I don't know. I think it's because I had about four hours sleep Christmas Eve and it caught up on me, I think, the next day. But 
it was inevitable that we were going to be in this situation um, off the back of everything that we're seeing. And I suppose my mindset's changed a little bit. I think I'm at a point now where I'm passive. I'm just accepting what's being fed to me. You know, I look no further past than tomorrow. <laughs> I don't look past tomorrow. But i tell you what is good, and we can talk about it later in the show, is I've got a challenge throughout January that's going to keep me busy. My legs are sore, my groin's sore, my back's a bit sore. Did you, what have you been doing? Doddyaid.com, mate. We're oh, I know. raising money for My Name's Doddy Foundation and the cure for MND and the funds that are much needed. But that's keeping me entertained, competitive, and purposeful, I think, are the words that we should use. So we'll talk about that later in the show, but I think you need something. The, the issue that we've had is there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Now, the only light I'm seeing is that light that you see on the stage in Ushuaia, in Ibiza, where the three-day stag do for me is turning into a 30-day stag do because I'm thinking June, July. <laughs> That's what I've got in my head. So for me, no one's told me that. In my head, I've got June, July... I'm going to be really close to that stage in Yushwaya and I'm going to be fully manscaped, clean as a whistle, loving life. Yeah, well, the good thing is we will be fully manscaped because manscaped are supporting us again in 2021 and it makes sense that we should all ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. The perfect package 3.0 is the grooming package you need to start off this year strong. You guys have obviously got it as part of your routines, but is there anything you're doing differently with your grooming this year in 2021? Sharing. Sharing, are you? Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, I what, sharing like back a sheep. Christmas. Well, yeah, sharing or sharing. It's both. It depends. It depends how bad you are or how old school you are. If you're like a sheep, but I've uh, who's not like a sheep is Beck, and she got it for Christmas. So I'm sharing, <laughs> not sharing. <laughs> Make sure you come out of quarantine looking clean. Thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. It's a waterproof and skin safe trimmer which reduces nicks to your two best friends. It also comes with the Crop Preserve anti chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, the Shed Travel Bag, and the Manscaped anti chafing boxer briefs. And get 20% off and free shipping with the code rugbypod at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code rugbypod at manscaped. Your balls will thank you. We should say, and this is a safety aspect to it, the ball wipes, don't use them to wipe your makeup off your eyes. Just don't, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, your eyeballs will be hanging out your head like bollocks. When when have you been wearing makeup on your eyes, Jim? I haven't met (laughs) was. Oh, wow. Oh, dear. Well, we'll chat about all things premiership a bit later on, but... First, there's a bit of news to catch up on. I've seen both you guys chuck out some opinions. What should we be doing with the Lions tour this year? What do you guys make made of the alternative suggestions as well? Well, firstly, I've heard, Andrew, that it's yes. definitely not happening. Have you heard that? Uh, In June or July or whenever it was due to well, happen. There's four scenarios, isn't there? First scenario is it goes ahead as planned. Uh, the second one is it still goes ahead in South Africa, but behind closed doors and no, so no, no fans. The third one is um, to postpone it. And the fourth one is to move it to the UK uh, and Ireland and have it here with potentially fans. And each of them have got their merits and their, you know, the drawbacks to them. Um, there's not a decision been made yet. Uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, it's going to be made at some point later in January uh, as things develop and it might get accelerated around what we're seeing at the minute to do with the government's decision to lock us down and etc etc but 
ideally, would be in a position for it to go ahead this summer and we were out in South Africa having an absolute ball. But with the state of the pandemic at the minute in their country, you know, that doesn't look very likely at all uh, that it will go ahead as normal. So then do you want to play it behind closed doors? Never. Absolutely not. And then you look at the postponement. And my favourite one and the one that I'd like to see is it being postponed to 2022. And to do that, you need to move a few things around and needs to be all the stakeholders looking at the game itself and, and moving a little bit to say, this is the way to make it happen. Now, some people, and I put a tweet out about, why don't we just postpone the Six Nations till when the Lions Tour is meant to be on, play the Six Nations then, and then have the Lions Tour the following summer, so 2022. That not only will give us a load of weekends over this current lockdown period when clubs who we're seeing getting games postponed left, right and centre at the minute because of the coronavirus could potentially catch up on some games. Other clubs will get breathing space to allow their players, you know, let's not forget the whole issue around player welfare and how there's no spare weekends for any club at the minute all the way through to the end of the season because of what happened last year. Another idea could be to to flip each union could flip their tour for 2022. So England are meant to be going to Australia. I think Ireland are going to New Zealand and try and do that this summer and then play the Lions tour next summer and keep the Six Nations still behind closed doors. I don't think the Six Nations moves. I think they still play it starting in February behind closed doors. We're not going to see any fans really realistically. And, and there's loads of bright ideas from people. Some of the people have talked about getting it in the UK and having the, the South Africans come here. I don't think that's a great idea at all, to be honest. Well, that's all. No, that's not what it is, is it? That's the whole premise around Alliance Tour is touring in a country, and people are like, yeah, but you know, if you come to, you know, bring South Africa over here, and you know, thousands of people can see the Lions over here. Well, if we don't go and tour there, the impact on that country financially, and there, people are saying, oh yeah, we'll just split the revenue between the British and Irish Lions and South African Rugby Union. You're taking out a massive revenue stream for the whole of South Africa as a country. The tourism trade, the hotels, um, all the experiences that people want to do. And I just think personally, I'd like to see it delayed, postponed to 2022, a few things rejigged around in the hope that we all get to go to South Africa or watch a proper Lions tour on the TV with fans, with the Lions embedding themselves in that country, doing some brilliant things around the townships and everything they always do as a as a collective unit. And, you know, that's the sort of spectacle you want to see. So I think just flipping it and saying, yeah, bring the South Africans to the UK and Ireland, you're only then going to sell tickets at 500 quid a pop. You're not getting the real Lions fans. You're not going to sit, see the, the Lions play. And people are saying, well, I can't afford to go to South Africa. Well, if you can't afford to go to South Africa, which I appreciate not everyone can, and a lot of people wouldn't want to spend all that money going to South Africa, you're still not going to be able to go and watch them at Twickenham because the tickets would be ridiculous, or the Millennium Stadium, or the Aviva, because there's only 80,000, and they'll be, you know, they'll price people out of the market trying to make as much money as possible. All I'm saying is Jason Leonard is very high up in the decision-making process. And that big boy likes a tour, doesn't he? So I'm hoping that he sees sense and we're all in South Africa in 2022. I think there's a realisation now that there's nothing happening this year with the Lions tour, as much as we want it. I mean, what state of South Africa going to be in as a team? They haven't played. Yeah, they haven't played, exactly. have they? Like, it's just, let's just wait. Just wait, try and get it next season, but then everyone to have something to look forward to. Like Goody mentioned, uh, people going to South Africa, the most people that go there, it's on their bucket list, right? That's the one thing that they've saved up for for a lifetime is to go to a Lions tour in South Africa and everything that, that country brings. Like Goody mentioned, we went to New Zealand. I thought it was just going to be all right. Like I was like, just come out of rugby. I was like, yeah, it's a Lions tour, whatever. I couldn't believe 
how good it was. I just, I just couldn't get over it. But when you think about it, it's obvious. You know, you're on the other side of the world. You've been given your green card. If you've not been given the green card, the next best thing is your missus has said that she has to come with you. And uh, you're quite happy to bring her if she brings a mate so you can get with your mates. But it, it's, it, it, it's such a big thing. It's not, it's not like the Olympics. A lot of people will watch the Olympics at home on TV. and It becomes, a, you know, a four-year thing. The Football World Cup and the Lions and Rugby World Cups, they are life events for fans they really are so I agree with Goody I think we try and do everything we can not that we've got any influence to move it to next year I think one of the big things around it as well um, and we've seen with the pandemic and what it's done to rugby uh, both domestically and internationally the RFU have said they're losing a boatload of money right the WRU are the same Scottish Rugby Union they're the same and uh, the IRFU, Irish Rugby Union, they're all losing money hand over fist at the minute, which is completely understandable. So if you move the Six Nations and you've got an opportunity now to potentially move the Six Nations to when the Lions tour's on or the end of the season uh, with the hope that we can get, like Jim said, maybe half a stadium full or who knows, full stadia, you've then got a massive opportunity to make a load of revenue for each union by postponing the Six Nations. But they won't probably do it because there's only four weeks to the, the start of that competition and traditionalists are like no 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 the six nations has to stay in february march time but you can't on one hand say we're short of money we've got no money the game's going to fold and then when you've got an opportunity to delay something with the potential of an uplift in revenue and the thing that people are also talk, not talking about really is the british and irish lions is owned by the unions so the rfu scotland siu wales wiu and the rfu in, in ireland they own the british and irish lions so if you can collectively get france and italy along move the six nations so you're going to make some money and then potentially move the lions tour to 2022 then it's going to benefit everyone well there's been a lot of negativity around rugby and about 2020 but some positive news came out with the new year's honors list matt hampson finally as jim says finally deserved and I had a bit of banter with uh, Hambo and Tommy Corston, uh, who runs the Hambo Foundation. Hambo's that big time. He doesn't need an MBE. Skip the MBE part, straight to OBE, and fully deserved as well. He's a, he's a man, I, I tweeted about it, an absolute legend. Uh, and that word gets banded around a lot, doesn't it, legend? But you look into the story of Hambo and what he's done for other people, and people perhaps don't realise that everything he's, and Jim's been a part, a huge part of it as well, and a lot of other people have, he didn't want us raising money for him. He wanted to make a difference to other people's lives, and that's what um, everything has been around. Hambo always puts others first, and, uh, you know, he's a phenomenal bloke that's, you know, been through a horrific accident, but has a ridiculous amount of positivity around the difference that he can make to people less fortunate than him. Yeah, I mean, for me... It's been a long time overdue and we can maybe talk about the two MBEs in rugby or the two MBEs in the Premiership as well with Baxter and Simmons after. But for me with Hambo is, I was chatting to, chatting to Beck, my wife, about it because she's raising money for Macmillan cancer and we're raising money for motor neurons disease research at the minute. And it's really difficult sometimes when you're raising this money, it goes into a pot and you don't often see where it goes. But with Hambo and the Get Busy Living Centre, you can actually see where the money goes. Like they've built a centre in the centre of England where people can go with spinal injuries who've been injured in sport and other walks of life as well now. I've walked into the centre that has been built by the money 
that Hambo has raised through through charity. The amazing people along the way that have supported the foundation, supported the Get Busy Living Centre and the Matt Hampson Foundation. For me, he is the epitome of strength, right? And resilience and all these words that you can band about. Uh, it's just, he's a phenomenal bloke. And again, does he need an OBE? Do you need an MBE? You know, Sir Jim Hamilton has a kind of ring to it as well. But, <laughs> like, do, do you know what I mean? Do, but you, you, you want to be recognised. Now, ultimately, some people do, some people don't. But there's, there's, there's some things that you have to recognise. And Matt Hampson's one of them people that, you, that has to be recognised for what he's done and, and how many people's lives he's changed. And something that you can actually look at and say and go, wow, holy shit. What a bloke. So not just to him, but to Tommy Corson, the CEO, Lewis Deacon, who's involved there, Roy Jackson. There's loads of people involved in the Hambo Foundation who work day in, day out. Obviously now with everything that, that, that's happening, it's becoming more and more difficult, but fully deserved. And uh, I'm absolutely buzzing for him. So Hambo, as a mate, uh, I'm so proud of you. So well, I know me and Goody are, and Goody's been pushing for it for years. Mitt Hampson wasn't the only one who got a New Year's Honours. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, Rob Baxter from Exeter Chiefs uh, got an MBE, as did Joe Simmons. Damien Hopley as well, uh, who has set up and ran the RPA for many, many years, uh, got recognised with MBE. His is fully deserved because I think he does a lot of unseen work and you know has supported the game of rugby and the players for many a year and a lot of people who have gone through some hard times. But yeah, I mean, Rob Baxter... European Champions Cup champion, coach and premiership. They did the double. Joe Simmons as the team captain and fly half. Um, How? Well, I'm, I'm just going to say this. So everyone thinks, except for Eddie Jones, Owen Farrell and George Ford, that Joe Simmons should be in the England squad, right? And I'm sat there thinking, Lizzie watches the games. Queen Liz watches England play, watches Exeter play. And she's like, Eddie, Joe Simmons needs to be picked. And if you're not going to pick him, I'm going to go one step above you and MBE his ass. So <laughs> Lizzie watches the rugby and she's given Joe Simmons an MBE. Genuine, genuine. Can you, do you think he's embarrassed? Do you think he's heard that yeah. come through? And Can you imagine the banter he, in the changing room? He might not room? know. He, he <laughs> like, might know everything. Imagine, his pa- imagine saying to your parents and they're like, what for, son? What for? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you ne- you're never going to take it off him, right? But how? Tell it, how? It was- how, how? How is that? How has he got an M- MBE? Rob Burrow has got an MBE. Who yeah. is, mate, the guy has raised millions and stuff that he's shown. I don't want to go too hard, but it's... Yeah, and maybe I'm jealous. Maybe I'm jealous because how have I not got one if he's got one? <laughs> well, he, mate, he's the captain of the, the double champions. So uh, I think, you know, listen, it's Queen Liz has said to Eddie Jones, you either pick him or, or I give him an MBE. And Eddie Jones didn't pick him, so he got an MBE. Or there's some person making these decisions that doesn't know too much about how sport works and how, um, you know, just give it to the captain is a easy way of distributing an MBE for some success. Uh, but imagine the... Joe Simmons now in the changing rooms. It goes one of two ways. So he either rocks in and demands to be called Joe Simmons MBE because there was a few players when, after 2003, when they all got given MBEs for winning the World Cup, a few players at Leicester Tigers used to go around and say, can you call me Lewis Moody MBE, please? I'm just like, players, just one, just I'm one. Just, I'm just like, Lewis, that's fucking embarrassing. Pipe down. Um, but yeah, it, it goes one of two ways. He either walks in the changing rooms with his nuts out saying, call me Joe Simmons MBE, or he's 
massively embarrassed because his brother got man of the match in the final. Uh, or he, he can <laughs> give it back. Or he can give it back. <laughs> but fair play. Um, he's got one. But there, yes, some of them fully deserved. Joe Simmons people are questioning it. And I get why they're questioning it. I fully deserved. I'm not questioning it at all. I don't know if you got that from that. Also, Dee Bradbury as well, OBE, the first female president of Scottish rugby, mother of Magnus Bradbury, the back row for hashtag always Edinburgh. So she's got one. Is that how he got picked and gets his contract then? Apparently so. He's Why just are you re-signed. saying that, Jim? Apparently he's just re-signed and having an OBE as your mum, it's a thing, apparently. So I blame my Starts mum with a five. for me sat in a garage. Exactly. I'll take, <laughs> I'll take anything with a four or a three at the minute. <laughs> There's a fair bit of chat going on about ring fencing in the Premiership at the moment. Do you guys think it's now inevitable given what's going on? Yes. Did I not say, Andrew, I don't know whether I was from this garage or the three houses ago, that ring fencing is just around the corner. Was that a global season? I said one no, of you them, s- or both you of them. Said, you said central contracting from England is just around oh, the corner. I, damn. Well, I, meant, I meant ring fencing <laughs> as well. It's the same, yeah. same thing, is it not? But um, imagine if you're Saracens. Imagine if you're Saracens and watching this unfold. They've not played a game yet. And I reckon that there's only one way forward to protect the game of rugby, to consolidate is to move the Lions tour and to ring fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think with it though, um, and I, I, I've always been dead set against it because you look at the Pro 14 and how shit some of the games are because there's no relegation. And as a long-term plan, I don't think it, it should be ring fenced. But in the circumstances we're living at the minute around the finances of the game, the pandemic, the effect that that's had on everything, I think you need to close it for a year or two. Um, to 13 teams, get Saracens back up uh, from next season. Um, you know they've paid their dues in in being relegated and and the fines, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and, and for everything they did, bring them back up, have a 13 team competition for at least a year, more than likely two years. But it's got to be a clear plan. You can't say, "Oh, we're just going to ring fence it and see how this goes." You've got to say, "Right, we're ring fencing it for two years, and we're going to review it after a year to see what the world is like." Um, and you've got to involve the championship clubs in that because and the RFU because it, ultimately it's the RFU that make the decision. Um, so involve all the stakeholders. You know, Cornish Pirates, they're building a stadium. They want to come to the Premiership one day. They've seen Exeter Chiefs do it. You know, I know Ealing Trailfinders, Trailblazers, they want to come to the Premiership as well at some point. But if they're being honest, they can consolidate for two years after this pandemic and then hopefully be in a better position to challenge further down the line but it'd be interesting if you do ring fence it you got a 13 team league what happens further down the line does one team get relegated and then whoever finishes 12th have a playoff game with the team that finishes top of the champo in two years or three years or whatever it oh, changes again or the two oh. the two teams automatically get relegated and one team get automatically there's so many questions but i think for the finances of the game and to safeguard clubs futures there needs to be some sort of interim holding position where there is ring fencing for a year or two. And we're a bit hard on teams at the moment as well, but with the different points that have been allocated out. So if a game gets cancelled, one club gets four points and the other club gets two points. What do you guys make of that? That's why, Andy Rowe, they'll have to ring fence it because there's teams that are losing points, games not being played for no fault of their own. So you can't put a relegation in there because for that very reason that you've just spoke about then. Well, we can have a chat now with someone who's had the weekend off because of a cancellation. He's starting 2021 looking, well, he's got a fresh new look. Worcester and Scotland fly half. Duncan Weir joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for having us on. 
Who is this man? I do, I do not recognise this man. You look unbelievable. Handsome, eh? What did you ask for, Dunkey? So what did you ask for? So you went in and the guys looking at it and they probably did what we did when we first saw it and be like, what is this? And then what was the words that you used for the guy? Do your best or make me light? What was it? I said, um, take a bit off the back and sides and then just make the top a bit fluffier. <laughs> and uh, no, to be fair, he's done a good job. It was... Um, it was an old academy boy at Worcester when I first came down, Afi, who'd done the chop. So um, it was good to catch up for him. It, it did take him an hour and a half to get all that hair off. So, um, nah, it was a it was a good old, good old uh, trim up. And have you bagged up the leftovers or not? No, no. Um, the photographer, um, the Sunday Times, came along and and, uh, and took some pictures through it all, and he got some good snaps of it all. Um, I, I don't know what you would do with it. You would make a jumper for the wee man, maybe. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, thankfully, uh, no, nah, I just left it to the barber shop and didn't, didn't go down that route. You could have made a hell of a bush. It would have matched Jim's bush as well, by the boil accounts, <laughs> the, way, the way that is. Um, let's talk about it then. Obviously, mate, it's an amazing thing. First and foremost, big apologies from Jim and myself. When we first saw it, we came in and we went, what is Donkey Weir doing with the lid? We didn't know the facts. We now know and we knew straight away after we'd given you a bit of stick that it was for an unbelievable cause um, in Acorns Hospice. Um, how long did you grow it for? I know you've raised a bucket load of money. Uh, it's an amazing thing you've done. Um, how itchy was it though? That's the main question. Yeah, it was, um, to be fair, the last month and then that kind of, that stage where it's not long and it's not really that short anymore was probably the most annoying stages. But yeah, um, Acorns is... As obviously, as you know, it's a it's a it's a charity that's really close to us at Worcester Warriors. So recently becoming a father of of two kids as well, and probably that charity was was close to the, the heartstrings, and it was an easy decision. And yeah, I've always had a, a kind of mental head of hair. It's always been wiry, and um, I think Jim used to call it pubed back in the day. So. <laughs> I was so nice. I was so nice to, to, to my teammates. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a really bit of fun just obviously 2020's had its challenges for a lot of people businesses and, and charities been hit hard as well so yeah it was an easy decision and it's pretty mental that it's it's raised over 16 grand I'm blown away with with how kind people have been and, and the support and the, the kind of nations have, have really meant a lot yeah donkey unbelievable mate big congratulations and I, I looked at your game for Scotland and that came around we can maybe talk about that with Finn and Adam and I'm thinking this is the best thing that's happened to you in a long time you've been waiting for your chance you've been carving up at Worcester was there a thing in your mind thinking my word I've got a pineapple on my head when I'm going to be on national TV <laughs> <laughs> for Scotland again. Was there that thought in there, or were you thinking I'm just going to go with it? Nah, to be fair, it was it was good exposure for the, the charity, albeit it was at my bottles of shampoo and conditioner expense. But um, as soon as you got a hairband on there, it was um, it was good as gold. As soon as it was it wasn't in my eyes, I didn't really care. Like I had enough things to worry about on the rugby pitch and uh, boss a team uh, around. And yeah, no, it was, it was a great experience being back out there with Scotland. I, I think Thoroughly enjoyed it. I think for me, I was uh, I was probably the most relaxed I've been in a Scotland jersey. Um, I just looked to go in and, and express myself and and enjoy it, soak it up because I'd, I'd been waiting a long time to to get in the, the back in the ten jersey. And to be honest, I, I was walking into a really good side, so just had to go and kind of nail my basics and, and boss around the team, which I, I quite enjoyed doing. So it was um, it was really enjoyable. 
And just on that, obviously, you know, it's your first cap in three years when you got called back into the squad. Um, you went pretty well. Um, how are the conversations with Gregor? Uh, obviously, you know, the big news around uh, Finn being out injured and then obviously Adam Hastings gave you the opportunity. But from watching from afar, you did pretty well. But then um, they made a change towards the back end of it. You're still in the mix. There's, there's rumours that you're leaving Worcester, going back to Glasgow. Is it all um, good and, and moving back towards trying to get back in the Scotland setup more regularly? Yeah, I mean, my communication with Gregor has been really good over the, the last year or so. Um, I know I work on from Gregor. Um, obviously, I, I was disappointed not to be the last uh, game away in uh, Ireland, but at the same time, I, I kind of the, the the approach that he was going to do and and, and cap Yako and you well, now we've got um, four capped internationals um, kicking around the squad, so the strength and depth there now, and it's yeah. Um, I can only control the controllables and, and try and play um, and well when I, when I get selected. One of the things you played a, a bit of a straight back to then or just ignored was the news in the press around... Oh, sorry, yeah. S- ...staying at Worcester or going back to Glasgow. Obviously, Adam Hastings going down to Gloucester. You, is that deliberate? You, you keeping us in the dark? Um, no, like, conversations have been good so far. And, like, I'm a Glasgow boy, so the, the club means a lot to me. Um, um, the big thing when I was leaving Glasgow was was to get over 100 caps and, and kind of be part of the... The history of the club, um, and I know guys like Johnny Gray and Hoggy were were kind of similar mindset when you were leaving the place at uh, where it all started. So, yeah, no, I was um, I was really privileged that they've been they've been chasing me pretty hard. So, hopefully, um, in the near future, I think obviously the Christmas the festive period things die down in the market. So, hopefully, this week we'll get up and um, get chatting. We'll wait and see what happens. Tell them it starts with a three or a four. <laughs> donkey with a COVID take <laughs> yeah well donkey talking of three and four there was news today that Duan van der Merwe the obviously Edinburgh wing for the millions that don't know but who's been carving up for Edinburgh and who anyone saw him playing a Scotland jersey um, recently capped in the Autumn Nations Cup has signed for Worcester what's your thoughts on that kind of set up and, and 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 what what we're seeing so what i'm trying to say is basically duan comes through the edinburgh system plays extremely well edinburgh have molded him into this player scotland have capped him and then he's now moving to worcester so he's actually leaving scotland which is going to make edinburgh a lesser team because frankly he's one of the best players not just for edinburgh but in the league can you understand his reasons why i think in the current market like these superstar x-factor players will get looked after and Teams are chasing that. Like it could be the difference between obviously the Premiership so so tight and it's such a hard competition. Having him in your side could make a massive difference throughout a season. And yeah, I, I do I do understand where you're coming from with with bringing them into Scotland and and kind of um, giving them the chance to play Test rugby. But the the, the market's um, it's in a different a, a kind of difficult stage at the minute. And and like I say, if you're an X Factor player with with his ability teams are going to want you as simple as that and how's things at Worcester then obviously we know that you uh, had the game cancelled at the weekend you've been given the four point victory uh, but it's it's been a bit tough at the start of the season hasn't it with, with understanding what games are going on how that affects people um, you've got some quality players there within the squad some youngsters coming through Ted Hill and Ollie Lawrence are, are two stars of now and the future what's the club looking like at the minute because I think Jim and I I think just Jim. No, Jim tipped Gloucester. I tipped Worcester for relegation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. But how, how is the club? I know. How is the club at the minute? <laughs> yeah, no, good. Um, we've got a, a kind of young group of coaches that are really hungry and, and 
and um, and really look to to kind of bring out the best of us. Um, I, I do think we've got a young squad. Like when you look across the board and the team sheets every week, maybe we've got five or six kind of in the last two years gra- uh, academy graduates. When when you look at other team sheets, it's maybe one or two guys uh, within our squad. And and in the Premiership, you you really um, there's no kind of um, hiding place like you're going to get found out if you're not up to speed of things. So um, I think we're in we're in good stead. Um, we're, it's, it's kind of the same story over the last couple of years when I've been here. Anyway, we make so many good chances and, and maybe kind of cough the ball on in the in the last couple of phases where we we should be burying teams and, and and scoring more tries. So I think if um, we just continue to work hard in training, these old cliches of of kind of putting the hard yards in at training and hopefully we'll, we'll reap the benefits. Duncan, there's talk I've heard this week of the Prem being ring-fenced and you can probably talk about, well, there's been talk for the last couple of years, but it's accelerating now, obviously, for obvious reasons. But you've played in the Pro 12, Pro 14 and the Prem. What is the pressure difference like as, as a fly half? It, it, is the relegate, I know it, it's that Worcester are bottom, um, generally around yeah. that part of the table, but playing really well, playing some really good stuff as well. But what is that pressure like playing in a team that could potentially be relegated, which Worcester have been before, fighting for survival, on the flip side of that being at Glasgow, where you know there's absolutely no relegation? I think the, the probably the ability to, to bounce back after a loss is is probably the biggest thing. Like, if you go on a losing streak in the Prem, like, there's bound to be pressure added onto you week in, week out. When in the Pro 14, like, one win might, might just ease that pressure, but one win might just get the mon- monkey off your back for one week in the Premiership, and it's it's so intense. Like if you get relegated, like half your your management, your backroom staff could get sacked. Like just with the the budget and the Premiership compared to the Championship. So, um, not that the players are are talking about this, and obviously, but you just know in the back of your mind, like it's, it's some people's livelihood, um, and it's it, it might fall on. So the yeah, those pressures are there, but. Like I say, thankfully we've been down the bottom, but we've we've managed to have a, a small buffer that um, that we've, we've not been scratching uh, and, and clawing for results at the tail end of the season. So this year, um, obviously the ring fencing. Uh, I watched rugby tonight the other night, and it was um, a big debate. And, and Steve Diamond said uh, a few comments on it, and I do understand where they're coming from. With you have to protect the business side of things, like the thirteen clubs have built the Premiership and they've they've made it what it is, but um, it's it's probably, I think um, our owners actually said like if if we go into another full lockdown, I know I think pro sport will continue, but a lot of the clubs will will die away just because they can't financially keep up with things, and, and obviously the government have have been kind enough to pull them uh, through this uh, as best they can, but I, I don't think many clubs will survive. So probably ring fencing it for me is is probably the the best thing to just save the livelihood of the premiership clubs and then after that opening it back up to relegation and, and make sure it's um, a kind of stable platform before they do that last thing for me then I, I want to put you on a, the spot a little bit here uh, Jim and I go back a long time and I've I've given him a load of shit about his win percentage for Scotland uh, in the Six Nations when he played now for people that do or don't know that was a 16% win percentage for Scotland and his excuse when I always talk to him about it he said but the backs were fucking shit the centres the centres no. <laughs> <The centers. laughs> he said the backs were fucking shit now 
Donkey, it's your opportunity here because I know you played with Jim. And uh, we as, won. As, as, as a 10. Donkey beat Italy single-handedly. <laughs> so it's not Donkey, it was Phil Godman. Uh, look at me, look at me. You're backtracking now, Jim. How shit was Jim and how hard was it as a 10, knowing full well your forward pack was led by an absolute clown in Jim Hamilton and, and we were always on the back foot? Um, I'll just see if you don't get beat by 50, you're still in the pen. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey, that is one of that is one of my soldiers, is all I'm saying. Is Donkey was one of my soldiers. He backed me to the hill. So I appreciate that, Donkey, and uh, I will buy you a beer next time. Spot on. Cool. Thank you very much for joining us, Duncan, and a bits of luck for the season uh, when it does Thank carry you. on. Cheers. Cheers, Donkey. Top lad. Top bloke. Top bloke. First and foremost what he's done with his lid and raising uh, a massive amount of money for Acorns Hospice. That is a phenomenal thing to do. And we started out by taking the piss out of him, Jim. You're, why are you so horrible to everyone? Like you, not, called him pu- well, I, I, you called him pubed, you called him meatball. He's a oh, great bloke. Can you, 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 banter lads, 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 isn't it? That's it. I could have said something more. He rented the house that I was in for a couple of years when I was captain of Gloucester in Cheltenham. And there's a few horror... There's, there's some horror stories from that house. Oh, really? Saying. Why? Go on, yeah. why? Well, we were young, nothing. We were young, me and Beck, and, you know, we just, we had JJ, and that was about it. So there's no horror stories. There was a lot of crying and a lot of <laughs> shitty nappies, is all I'm saying. But he's a good lad. And if that isn't an obvious one that he's going back to hashtag always Glasgow Warriors, you ain't ever going to get a bigger hint. And if you want to donate to that cause, you can just go to justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Duncan hyphen wear one. Well, we heard about Donkey Wears' efforts for charity a bit earlier, and Jim, you are captaining the Scottish Exiles team for Dotty Aid this month, but we can have a chat now with the main man himself to hear all about what's going on in January. It's Scottish and British Irish and Lions legend Dotty Weir who joins us. How are you, mate? Oh, very well, boys. Thank you very much. I'm a little bit late, but I go swimming once a week. I do a wee bit aqua aerobics. Uh, to keep fit for January, so quite fitting. But all well, boys. Have a good Christmas. Fantastic New Year. Well, Happy New Year, Doddy. And we can talk about the fitness stuff a little bit later, but how are things with you at the moment? Obviously, it's been a mental few months. Uh, it's been a lonely few months for a lot of people. How are you getting on with your family? How is um, your condition and everything as it stands at the minute, mate? Big Jim, you're looking very well. Uh, for myself, I'm very lucky, very fortunate. I'm still able to do quite a lot of things, walk, talk, eat. Uh, bizarrely, it might sound a bit silly, like go to the toilet on your own. It's a big thing that M&D people maybe can't manage. Still able to get up and down the stairs, which is quite a good thing as well. So a lot of ways still winning this battle. Against MD, and you're correct, 2020 was quite a difficult year being in. So I'm closed, but again, I'm very lucky because I live on a, a wee farm, so able to get out most days, speak to the cows, <laughs> drive my buggy that I've got on the farm here. So that's the sort of thing I challenge myself most days is to not let M&D intrude into my life as much as maybe it wants. So, so with that, I'm doing very well. Uh, when the COVID has brought us quite a lot closer together with the family, which has been 
quite nice. And now with things, uh, 2020 was a lot of trials starting that the foundation had invested in. Unfortunately, they were closed down for three, four months, but they're up and running now, which is quite exciting. So, all good. I've been able to celebrate another Christmas and New Year. So that's maybe my fourth or fifth now. Well, maybe at the beginning when I got diagnosed, I maybe thought that could be the last one. So let's not complain. Let's go away. 2021, it'll be a fantastic year, I think. Yeah, let's hope so. And Doddy, first thing I'm going to say is you're looking great and it's great to hear that you're still doing more fitness than me, uh, even with MND, doing your water aerobics. I'm, I'm very embarrassed that um, you're looking way better than myself. So, uh, mate, you're doing exceptionally well. It's been four years, hasn't it? Um, and the doctors said that, you know, potentially it wouldn't be four years uh, in this fight and you are kicking it down the road further and further. It's amazing to see. Um, how proud are you with everything that's gone on over the last four years, but also the, the battles where everyone's facing at the minute? Andy, just uh, truly unbelievable, was. Uh, yeah, you're right. The, the diagnosis when you're told you're MD, the, the, the professors basically say, You've got between one and two years to live because that's your kind of average amount and that kind of gets you a bit scared. But, but on the back of that, with the foundation, it's been truly amazing. The rugby public, you guys, even involved in the game of rugby, uh, out with it has been so supportive. Allowed the foundation to grow to an unbelievable sort of size and the support generosity has been pretty overwhelming. I think today, we've, in the three years we've set the foundation up, we've um, possibly spent £5 million pounds on research and nearly £1 million helping people with M&D. Now, that is unbelievable, and that would not have happened without the support of generosity. So thank you very much. By the way, good I see the dartboard behind you. I was watching ball <laughs> darts last night. Oh, good. How good are you at the darts? Oh, mate, I've got the body shape of it. Although the world champion is going Price now, who looks really good in the shit. I've got the body shape of the shit darts players with the, the big bellies hanging over <laughs> there. Old school. And I struggle to throw my arm up. But yeah, it, it just gets me away from the kids for 10 minutes. So that's why the dartboard's there and it's illuminated. Love it. You do remind me of the Scotland jockey Wilson. <laughs> oh, he was hanging. Yeah, we enjoyed like five or six. <laughs> I played very impressive darts board. It is, mate. He's got a bit of money, Toddy. Look, I don't play darts, but I'll do anything to come and chat to your cows. I need to get out of the house, mate, and chat to someone. Please. <laughs> Wait, Tim, you're, you're more than welcome up here on the farm. We've got a lot of toys. Uh, the boys got a clay pigeon trap for the Christmas. We've got two wheel motorbikes, four wheel motorbikes. It's a bit like boys and toys. We've got tractors. We've got girl cows, we've got boy cows for you to talk to. <laughs> and we welcome you up here. We're not, we're not allowed. Well, as the famous Khabib says, semi-location. I want to just talk about um, a little bit about last year. Rob Burrow, Kevin Sinfield, the challenge that he t- did towards the back end of that. But what we're seeing now, Doddy, off the back of yourself and Rob, is an unbelievable... Um, 
kind of profile around this disease and also trying to raise funds and try and raise awareness how much of a difference has it made with the profile that's been brought are we any further down the track than we say arguably were two years ago yeah i think jim most definitely and i think it was thanks sally Nugent from the bbc she brought it all together which is amazing and i think that's so brought myself rob butler stephen darby and myself today to get all all boys who got MND. Now that's been a bit of an issue. I think in the past, a lot of people with MND have been left in their own, own limb in some way. So I think it's very good to talk. It's certainly been great for the three of us to get together. And it shows you what Kevin Sinfield has done. Uh, one of Rob's best mates, seven marathons in seven days. And the awareness is created, the money that it's uh, made is just truly unbelievable. And I think we've all found out the support is there, but the important thing is to get people talking because going back to my diagnosis, boys, I basically got told you got MD, which is a terminal issue. No one's lived through MD at all. And there's no drug that'll be able to help me. So one drug came out maybe 30 years ago, and that would extend your life for three months. So it's a bit of a waste of time. So on the table, there's nothing there. So what happens is every MND patient has to therefore come home and self-cure. By that, I mean, go on the internet, have a look to see what people are saying and uh, what will help you, what will, will extend your life, which to me is a bit outrageous. It's a bit like in a more simple term, you maybe fall out, or hurt your arm, you go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, they say you've got a broken arm, but you go home and fix it yourself. Uh, so you go go to the computer and find out what splints and everything. It's the same. For them, indeed, but much more serious effect. That's why I think with the three of us getting together with the help of Sally the BBC, you boys have played a big part in this as well. With the Dogcast, it's generated the most amazing awareness. So thank you very much for that as well. And with that, working together, you know we've all been involved in the team game. The bigger the team, the better the team, the more destroying MD will happen I think with that we're making inroads the first time this year there's a number of trials started actual proper trials in in the UK which is very exciting uh, the foundation uh, along with Professor Mar had a meeting a zoom meeting with Matt Hancock to try and see and get more help with the government and that seemed to go quite well. So we're very hopeful that 2021 is going to be a good year. They might find a cure, but a cure might be a bit further down the line. But if they're able to find a stoppage to this disease, that'll be one heck of a day. It certainly will, mate. And ultimately, with everything, all the research, we you gave us some of the numbers then around the money that's going into this research to try and extend and hopefully find a cure for people's lives. 
who are diagnosed with MND. We're seeing loads of fundraising. Um, there's a big push and there's a big fundraising plan going ahead in January for for yourself uh, the and your foundation, Doddy Aid. Just give us a little bit of background on that and what's happening in January because it's been amazing how many people have signed up to it, right? Well, so loads of people have signed up, Doddy, but not for my team. And they've all signed up for your, <laughs> your team and Rob Wainwright's. Well, I think, Jim, you might be able to help me. I don't know the sort of stats behind it. But how are, how is your team? Not great. Well, basically, it's an inter-district challenge. I didn't even know Scotland was split up into districts, Doddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's because you're, that's, that's you're English, Jim. Why are you, big man? Did you never, ever play in the inter-district championship? I lived up in Inverness until I was about four or five. I didn't start playing rugby until I was 18 and got fast-tracked to international, which is <laughs> the demise of Scottish rugby, they're saying. So. But in the good old days... Uh, Scotland was uh, kind of uh, built up or cut into different sections. You had the south, uh, which is like where I come from, Edinburgh, Glasgow, North of Midlands, and for those players playing down in London, like London, Scotland, Scottish, Fishman, and a few other teams, they were called the Exiles. So a good friend Rob Wainwright reenacted the interdistrict champions and they put some good people in charge and you're in charge of what area Jim? I'm in charge of the Scottish Exiles and we've got the lowest numbers Doddy uh, but, but the numbers are good we've got over 2,000 now and how are the numbers for the other districts? A lot higher um I can only blame the captain I can only blame the captain in this process and mate Jim no one wants to play for you they were because people think that to be a Scottish exile you need to be Scottish. I'm captain. You don't need to be Scottish if you want to be part of the exiles. I forgot because you're English, yeah. So no, Doddy, it's been great so far. So we've got the Doddy and South team, which is obviously your team. We've got four thousand two hundred and seventy-seven. That's captained by Rory Lawson. We have got the Edinburgh team, which is two and a half thousand. Um, we've got the Glasgow team, which is two thousand three hundred, captained by Kelly Brown and. The North and Mids, which is effectively Rob Wainwright's team, captained by John Barkley, they're nearly at five and a half thousand, and then the Scottish Exiles two thousand. But who you see that with the least amount of people, Mister Big Jim? <laughs> yeah. huh? We're all one team, is what I'm thinking, Doddy. That's it. That, 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 I'm trying to take a positive out of it, mate. This has happened before we even pushed a pedal or walked a, a meter. So, Goody, have you signed up yet? Well, funnily enough, um, Jim said to me, he said, you will not be involved in any other team except for the Scottish Exiles. And he promised me the vice captaincy and I refused it. I said, no, Jim, I don't want to be your vice captain because you're the shittest leader we could ever have, but we're all in this together. What about you the vice captain for the South team? Well, I get a text message from Rob Wainwright saying it would be unbelievable if you fucked Jim off and came and... and, and got as part of his team which is the the north and the midlands right and i phoned up jim i said listen i've got this um got this issue i said rob wainwright wants me in his team jim you want me in your team i can't believe two well one scottish legend in rob wainwright is fighting over me with jim hamilton but in reality i'd already signed up for jim's team and my loyalty goes as far as the as the podcast so i have to stay loyal to jim and i'll be putting in the miles for you doddy to try and raise as much money as possible i'm a very disappointed day tapping the ball so chris hoy i was tapping him to come aboard the south and if- Kindly thanks. Great idea. Love to join you. But no, 
he's gone and poo pooed me, and now he's involved in Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> he's floating around, Doddy. Well, I think what I'm going to do, Jim, uh, it's open to everyone around the world. And if you'd like to join us for a bit of fun and laughter in June, January, please contact yourself because you need all the help in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And if they get bored of you, Jim, there's space in the lovely South because I think you'll find like rugby of old, the the North and Midlands always started off very well but could never finish a game and certainly never won the Inter-District Championship. So I'm pretty certain this is what lasts the whole of January and we night will not keep up the stamina. You'll come with Jim. You won't let your team down. Oh, mate, I'm not bothered about numbers. I'm bothered about the numbers at the end, the money and the miles, Doddy. That's it, mate. I, I'm, I like it small. I like a small group. Well, my thought was, Big Jim, that the more members we can get in the South, the less work we need to do. Because <laughs> 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 you're very full of your ethos as well. I like that. I like that. Maybe yeah. I should just fuck Jim's team off and come and sign for you, Doddy. I think you that's the way forward. You can't do that. <laughs> Bring your dartboard up with you as well. Definitely. Definitely. I can't wait to hopefully see you in Hong Kong again. Um, we were at the dinner there a couple of years ago and then a few beers in Joey Bananas afterwards. That's my hope for 2021. At some point, we all get back out there for a few beers and we've raised as much money as possible for your foundation. Boys, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Goody. Life is for for living. Now, I've been very lucky, as to say, to have four years of that. Never for one minute expected to get MD. And when you do get that diagnosis, it changes your world quite a bit. So what I can say to people, like to say to people, go enjoy yourself when you can. It's not the best moment, but enjoy your family because you just don't know what's around the corner. So you boys have been amazing. Thank you very much for your help. And I look forward to seeing your name on the South Street. Big fella. <laughs> <laughs> Top man. Yeah. All right, Doddy, thank you very Thanks, much Doddy. for joining us and uh, best of luck throughout January with Doddy Aid. And if anyone wants to sign up, they can go and join a team at DoddyAid.com. No, no, not just the team. The South. <laughs> the Exiles. The Exiles. We need you. <laughs> legend. Thanks, Doddy. Absolute legend. We said it about Hambo earlier. Uh, that's another man. Absolute legend, Doddy Where is he? He doesn't take himself too seriously, but he's doing some unbelievable work in raising awareness and a huge amount of funds to try and beat this horrible disease. And yeah, what an inspiration though. Yeah, you, you know him way better than I do. Seen him in Hong Kong, speak to him at events and stuff. But when you give him one to two years and four years later, you're still battling it and living a life that he is. It's just phenomenal, isn't it? Such an inspiration. Yeah, guy's an absolute hero. As rugby lads go, you never get the details right. You just It just all turns into banter, so no one has a clue what the fuck's going on. So, <laughs> so effectively, you go on to doddyaid.com, you sign up, you choose a district, which is the Scottish Exiles, because I bloody need you. <laughs> you will make a donation of around 20 quid, 50 quid, if you're goody, £1,000, for a snood, which will have your district, the Scottish Exiles. You will then wear that. You will then sleep in it. You will then 
do whatever you want in it and you will jump on a bike you will walk you will crawl you will roll play golf uh, you we can't play golf now probably not um we, austin here he said you can ski i said we're, we're not all that privileged to go skiing austin you can go on your horse you can do whatever you want to clock up the meters you download an app it's called track for good yeah. It's not working that well at the minute because it's been unindated with thousands and thousands of people going on there. But you can manually put in your miles. So if you've done 100 miles, just put 1,000 miles in if you're with the Scottish Exiles. <laughs> Don't. Honesty is the best policy. And then that will all go into a tally with money that you raise. You're not obliged to raise money, but obviously the more money raised, the more money goes into the pot. We've already raised over £250,000, which is phenomenal. So the more the money that goes into that, we saw Kevin Sinfield run the seven marathons in seven days, raised ridiculous amounts of money, over £2 million, I think, it's up at now. Amazing. There's no cure for, for MND. It's ridiculous. We've seen with the COVID stuff that if things are accelerated, they can find a cure. They've done that with the vaccine. We need to raise as much money as we can for Doddy. Whether you sign up for the Scottish Exiles or you think you're from Edinburgh or whatever, just sign up. Go to doddyaid.com, enter in your details, buy a snud, donate as much as you can, raise some money and have some fun. January is going to be shit for all of us, right? Everyone, every single one of us. What can you do? You can exercise and you could be a part of a bit of banter. Famous people we've got signed up. Lorraine Kelly, she did a thing today. She's not the Scottish Exile, so I'm not even going to tell, tell you what she spoke about. We have got, is Matt Dawson famous or not? Austin yeah, Healy yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Matt, Matt, Matt Dawson, Austin Healy, Kevin Sinfield, he's on my team. Uh, Mike Tyndall, we've got Zara Phillips signed up. We have got Olympians, we have got actors, we've got pop stars, we've got butchers. I'm just naming every profession. What else have we bin got men. there? Bin men. We've got bin men. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're a Hollywood superstar or you're a bin man, you're in. So please sign up. And then lastly, if you want to listen to Doddy's podcast that he mentioned there, it's called The Doddcast, and you can get it on Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. And producer Tim is involved with that as well. So The Doddcast, get it? Doddy's podcast, Doddcast, get oh, it? Oh, yeah, got it now, Jim. Get, got get it. it, get it, yeah. Should we talk about the premiership then, boys? Yeah. <laughs> yes, let's talk want, about the premiership. Do you want to talk about Wasps or? No. Why not, Jim? We are the only team, we being Wasps, are the only team to beat Exeter Chiefs in God 13. knows how long. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. I mean, they, had a, they did rest a couple, but not only did we beat them, we pulled their pants down, we bent them over, we looked at their skid marks, we pulled their skid marks up over their heads, made them sniff their skids, eat the skids, down through the body, out the bum again, and put the pants back on, and we absolutely dominated them. You did. Uh, how play. about that? In the rain, some quality, some quality rugby. Uh, but yeah, it was Exeter's third team, so I can't talk about it too much. And they've not been playing very well. Well, and they've had COVID, so they've had a bit of a rough few weeks. Yeah, not making excuses you know, for my chiefs. Semantics, not- Semant- semantics, semantics. No, but listen, they're, we know how good an outfit they are. But uh, wasps rocked up. Launchers played exceptionally well. Um, he's turn into you know you talk about a Lions player right now he's playing at a level no, that could no he's Launchbury not. is playing at a level that Launchbury. could be could be picked for the Lions squad Launchbury is a class premiership player and a good international player right but what I'm saying is he's playing at a level at the minute that could be considered a Lions tourist okay I ain't saying a test starter look at the way he played in the Autumn Nations Cup played very well James man I got man of the match in 2013 I didn't go 
against Ireland. <laughs> so, matters of nothing. Why are you being horrible? All I'm saying is, uh, it was a good performance, physical. You know, they picked a big forward pack, Wasp did, to take him on. And obviously, there was a bit of pain there still from the final. Well happy for Wasp, to be fair. I'll be honest, hand on heart when I say that. So, that was a good win. Thank you, James. And Leicester. Yes. And I tell you, hold your horses, because I'm going to say it. George Ford had a great game. Really? You, how weird is that? I didn't think uh, he did. Well, no, just in terms of game management, as a 10, as you look at it, he's kicking. He I didn't, thought he kicked too much. Well, some of his kicking then. Um, it's all right when you're kicking that much. And it was the right tactics to play against Bath. Got themselves back in the game. You know, simple rugby. But tell me how you're ever going to catch a spiral bomb, Jim. You couldn't catch a pass from five yards away. Imagine you under a spiral bomb. Well, if Anthony Watson can't, then I'm going to probably struggle, to be fair. But I tell you who could catch one of them. Anthony Watson's opposite man, Freddie Stewart. How good? He's going to play for England. I think he will. I think he will. 20 years of age. I saw him for the academy when we filmed that doc for Rugby Pass. Him and that George Martin, but and the scrum half who came on, the young lad as well. That Freddie Stewart is a test potential with his skill set. Making the captain straight away. Lions captain. <laughs> but to be fair, he's a big he's a big kid as well, isn't he? 20 years of age. Tall, big, long, rangy. tall, rangy, quick. Um, he dominated Anthony Watson, didn't he? It was quite funny. The England fullback slash winger against a, a young up-and-coming player. And Freddie Stewart, he was the difference at times. But I think Bath look all right. Look, yeah. you, you know what as well? We're talking about the rumour mill. There's talk of Diamond going to Bath. No chance. All right. Well, Sale got their first win since Steve Diamond left the club. And you tipped Gloucester to be bottom of the table, and they are, Jim. But I did, yeah. I did not know the influence of a water boy would have added to Gloucester's demise. I thought Gloucester looked good as well, to be fair. But ultimately, there's a few things that happened in that game, wasn't there, that we can talk about. Chris Harris yeah. gets his head taken off, right, by Dupree, one of the Dupree brothers, and then has to go off for a HIA just as their sale have got a penalty kick into the corner. So there's all this madness going on of why they didn't look at the incident around there. Because if he's going off for a HIA, anyone who's seen it on social media, there's talk of it potentially being a yellow card. It's a red card. Yeah. It is, it's an absolute red card. So and the, th- the thing on that, Jim, is the TMO, Jeff Warren, one of the most experienced TMOs out there, he said he checked it. No, I've had a look, it's fine. Or he just got off the toilet, I think. (laughs) Or or he'd been, you know, hands in the biscuit tin again. Jeff Warren, one of the most experienced TMOs at the time, just like, no, no, that's fine. Play on, play on. And the referee then had absolutely no choice but to say it's been checked, play on, Carl Dixon. You can miss things, but if you check them and get them wrong, you need to be held accountable. I agree. Dan Dupree, you can do that, mate. You can't do that, big fella. And then the big talking point was, what a boy! (laughs) (laughs) I I laughed. I still find it quite funny, but almost like a ridiculous funny. Not because of seeing Gloucester bottom of the Prem. I I mean, I love Gloucester. My best mate's the team manager there. You know, Alex Brown is... I'm I'm not team manager. Well, my other best mate, my proper best Uh, mate. uh, The slug, Raybo's arm, 50. (laughs) Um, so he's there so I, I want to see Gloucester do well but it's them little things isn't it that happen in a season that that cost you that just don't go your way and well they're winning Gloucester are winning Dan Dupree sticks his, his shoulder straight into the head of Charis, Chris yeah. Harris um, he gets yanked then, off but then they score Sale score the winning try when it should have been a penalty to Gloucester they clear their lines they probably play out the last five minutes win the game and that is that's the big turning point and then they've still got an opportunity to 
draw the game effectively with the last play if they were going to get a penalty uh, from him, you know, a line out. And then Billy 12 Trees basically gets the water boy and slams him over. That No, he, didn't. he just pushed him over. But yeah, I mean, Billy 12 Trees can't do that. Mate, you should yellow card Billy, right, for that if you want to. I ain't bothered either way. And it's a penalty to Gloucester. Yeah, it should never be a penalty because he said, oh, retaliation, you can't do that. But then, hang on a minute, apparently Marlon Yard runs in and some say he dropped the head, some say he didn't. So flip reverse, rip reverse. So then you go, there's another retaliation. Uh, It should have been, Billy 12 trees, you can't do that. Yellow card. Waterboy, do one as well, whoever you are. And then it should have been either a Gloucester penalty or a Gloucester line-out play on. Uh, because how Waterboy has been able to influence those last minute and a half of the game, where the result is in the balance, is it's crazy. And it, you know, there needs to be some regs around it. He knew what he was doing. He's lent over a fucking advertising hoarding to touch it. So, yeah, you <laughs> Waterboy. Yeah, it just shouldn't have been. I get why he's doing it because actually, you know, some coaches tell their water boys to do that. People do your jobs. If you're water boy, just deliver the water, son. Don't get involved with touching the ball. Well, Bristol are all level on points now with Exeter at the top of the table after beating Newcastle on Friday night. Are they the Chiefs' closest challenges, do you think? Biggest challenges? Walsh just put 30 points on them. What are you on about? Biggest challenges. <laughs> oh, here he is. Um, yeah, Bristol are going to be good, aren't they? The, the names on that team sheet, it's, you know, you've got John Offer and Carl Sinclair as your two tighter props. You've got depth in that squad in a lot of positions. They've got quality. Um, it's same happened last year. You know, we expected they'll get in the top four. Jim and I both predicted them to be top four. Like, there's there's about four years of rugby to go through yet because this season might get extended, games might get canned. It's a long way off to seeing who's going to challenge Exeter. But ex- Bristol are a, a team, along with you know Sale and, and Wasps and um, you know Bath, if they get their act together, uh, the quality within those squads will challenge Exeter come the end of the season. Let's have a look at the rumor mill, shall we? A few floating around, isn't there, boys? Oh, let's. We've not done it for a while, have we? No. We, we haven't. Let's. What have we got? Sia Khaleesi. Can you imagine Sia Khaleesi living in Cov? <laughs> <laughs> I will move. If, if, he, if he goes, I'm moving back. They're buying Warwick Castle, I think. Can, will he go? Come on. Give us something. If you've ever given us any news, if you were putting your Range Rover on it, would he be going to Wasp? Can he go to Wasp? If I was putting my Range Rover on it, he would not be going to Wasps. No, I've, I've not, I've not heard it. Honestly, I've not heard it. I'm not privy to any information on Sia Khaleesi joining Wasps. Personally, can I see it? Nah, can't see it happening. I'd love him to be at Wasps. He's unbelievable. But do we need to spend a boatload of money, which Sia Khaleesi, the World Cup winning captain, let's not forget, quality player, would cost? I don't think Wasps need to sign someone like that when you've got Thomas Young, you've got the Willis boys. Exactly. Uh, uh, Alfie Barbary when he's fit again playing in the back row you just don't need him it's a luxury it's a luxury if K- Khaleesi leaves South Africa I guarantee he's going to France somewhere because that's where the dough still is or I'd love to see him at Saracens oh yeah, mate no. you can't buy him a ha- four he houses he can be a marquee he can be, he can't, be a marquee player yeah true 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 yeah let's talk of Marrow going to Toulouse Did you, I saw that last week I, again you only briefly flick on social media. My screen time was down by 18%, actually, FYI. Um, so I briefly flicked on social media this week and saw something about Marrow. It might have been... It might, I might not have. It might have been on there. It might not have. But it'd be interesting to see if that unfolds. I can't see it. Any sign of where Denny Cipriani might be going next, boys? No, boo. Oh. When it opens. <laughs> Mate, that's, not, that's closing. You know, um, he's blocked me on... He's blocked me on Twitter. 
Because you're horrible, Jim. You're horrible. I've to not him. been horrible at all. I've not said anything <laughs> bad. He's blocked me. He must have blocked me for my association with you. I think he blocked you because you said that he basically got you know an Ackham in the sack. Did I say? Did I say that? <laughs> I thought you said that, Goody. Who knows? Who knows? But what I do know is he went AWOL. Let's not beat around Jim's bush here. Um, he got dropped by. Uh, the Gloucester management after the first game of the season when he was pretty poor at Leicester Tigers. Leicester, yeah. And my sources tell me... He ain't been seen since. He didn't even rock up to training. Once he got dropped, he just didn't even rock up to training and, and disappeared and then said he didn't want to be part of the club anymore because uh, no one dropped sips. So that's, you know, effectively what happened. And, and fair play to George... We haven't spoken about this on the podcast, but fair play to George Skibbington. He's nipped it in the bud as quickly as he can and you know obviously Sips has departed they say it's on amicable terms you know he wants to pursue a, a different pathway and, and all that jazz what Skivington didn't want is for it to become a bigger issue you know listen we know he's been through um, a lot of stuff off the field emotionally um, he's saying on social media at the minute is the happiest he's ever been in his life uh, and posting pictures left right and centre I saw him in Turkey the other week having his teeth done as well before Christmas so um, I don't think rugby as in, as in the real Turkey or he had his head in the Turkey no he, the real Turkey he had some 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 dentures done or something you know the old uh, white than white things well if that's essential travel it definitely is for me <laughs> I'm, going, I'm, I'm going to Turkey yeah your B4s mate you're, yeah, you're, I've you're, got to it's essential yeah. <laughs> yeah. so where's Cipriani going to go who knows? Because you know a lot of it is around supposedly him leaving Gloucester's around his his new wife or fiance or I don't know whether they're married yet and how happy that is the family that comes with that. Um, so you can't all of a sudden go to France and take a load of cash and say, you know, I, I'm going to live separate from them. So who knows what happens in the world of Danny Cipriani? I think everyone wants to see him on a rugby field somewhere. I can't see many Premiership clubs or any Premiership clubs, to be fair saying sips come to us we've got loads of cash and we've got a, a slot at 10 because um you know it does clearly come with a load of baggage and you know quality player brilliant on the front foot class for a year class for a year yeah your question your question is is desire to to go to you know the the tough places and put his body on the line when things don't go his way he wants to move on i'll tell you what though just my opinion on Something you mentioned there, George Skivington. So I saw Skivs' interview. I'm talking as if we're best mates, we're just playing against each other. I, I saw Skivington's interview around the Cipriani thing, and I was thinking, oh, you need to give us more. Like, you can't be just, you know, batting it off, batting it off. And then actually, I thought about it, and I thought, fair play to him, because it would have been really tough for Skivington because he's played with Sips at Wasps for years. They're probably mates, they probably were mates when they played together and to have to deal with that to come into a club to have to deal with that you've got your star player firstly having to drop him and to have that conversation it'd be easy to stick with him you know we saw Neil Lennon and Scott Brown in Dubai after Celtic have been shocking this year without getting political in football they're obviously quite tight captain and coach and you're dropping your best player your most high profile player and then you're having to go to the team and explain to them, and then you're having to go to the media. And I thought Skivington handled it really well. So for me, um, it would have been tough for him, but right thing for Gloucester, in my, in my opinion. Whether or not the shed the shedhead think that or not, the long term, it's it's the right decision. And me saying that, I'm definitely not going to get unblocked. <laughs> and you look at the chronology of events, right? And we've we've spoken about it on here. Yeah, what happened with uh, Johan Ackerman leaving? Yeah, there's only one person that's been involved in all of this, and that's Lance Bradley, the CEO, 
um, who, you know, listened to Cipriani, took his advice, then Johan Ackerman leaves, then David Humphreys leaves. Rory Teague was in the mix to be taken over because he was Sips' best. He doesn't get the job. Skivington gets it. Cipriani, is he happy? Obviously not. Boom. Cipriani's gone. So there's this ripple that's turned into a massive wave that now Skivington just dealt with it quickly and went, if you don't want to be here, he's not going to be here and we just move on without him. And Lloyd Evans um, steps into the breach and obviously they've got um, Adam Hastings coming. They they signed him pretty quickly to knowing they were making that decision to 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 get him down here for next year. And you know Adam Hastings is how old is he? Twenty three, twenty four, probably. You've got potentially six, seven, eight years with him in, in charge, and it's a way better decision for the club than having the drama of Cipriani around, especially with the form that he was in because he wasn't in great form. You mentioned Steve Diamond earlier. Who, who's who do you think is replacing him at Sale? Oh well, I. I I tell you what, I know they're trying to get Sanderson. Yeah, they're trying to get Alex Sanderson. I can't see him going. I don't know why, unless he wants a complete change of lifestyle and he wants to run the show. So maybe he can. I know Alex Sanderson. I know what a fantastic bloke he is. I know what he brings to that Saracens culture um, as a coach and also as a bloke. He obviously lives in London. He's fairly settled. It would take a lot for him to leave. Saracens to go to sale. And and he's got about 14 properties with uh, Nigel Ray in that How'd portfolio. You know that? <laughs> oh, because we all know James. Um, yeah, so for me, it'd be I, I think Sale are holding out to get him. And then if they don't get him, who is there? Well, there's a number of people that you can potentially look at. But if you're Sale... Checker. Check it. Check it, check it. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I agree. They want Sanderson, whether they get him or not, because he's so enshrined in, in Saracens and, and that way. Uh, surely Alex Anderson, if he's going to be a head coach at some point, he'll take over from Mark McCall. I reckon with Saracens, I reckon if things didn't happen the way that it happened, I reckon Mark McCall potentially would, would have looked quicker at an international opportunity and then Alex Anderson would have taken the reins. But then as things stand now, I think Mark McCall wants to see the next part of the journey through and maybe Alex Anderson does as well. Yeah. Big void to fill with uh, Diamond leaving Sale, just in terms of the profile, the character, and almost like a player, uh, and almost like a coach who's been part of the furniture. It's like it's a big move to bring someone else in. Like the next person that comes in needs to be a big deal. Yeah, and I think that you know, I know they're giving Paul Deacon enough time to you know try and cement the role himself. They've got an amazing squad there, haven't they? They've got a, a squad that can compete. It's about getting the best out of that squad. And Steve Diamond, you know for one reason or other wasn't and I, you know around how he was treating people and and talking to people and some might say going too far with a hairdryer and ruling with fear I suppose um you know it wasn't getting the best out of the sales squad and the team um and I think the management thought that you know they needed to make a change to to see the fruits of, of everything they've invested and hopefully you know see some pressure release from some of those players and uh, you know whoever gets the job they're going to get a good squad Mike Brown to Newcastle it's not a bad shout actually Dino um, he's, he's obviously costly at Quinn's and what's Brownie now 34, 35 and I think Quinn's you know guzzy new coach in there I say new coach he's been there a couple of years now but you've seen Robshaw gone they've got to try and bring through some new players and guzzy will want that Brownie potentially going up to Newcastle to be reacquainted with Dino from their days at Quinn's you know to see out his career and potentially move into a coaching role that's something that Brownie only himself knows about because I can't see Mike Brown finishing at Quinn's and 
becoming a coach under Paul Gustard. I just don't see that happening necessarily. So if he wants to go down the coaching route, which I hear he does, then potentially there's a there's a role there under Dino with a two-year contract, whereas Quinns might only offer him a one-year. It'd be strange seeing Brownie in a different shirt, but happens to everyone, doesn't it? Goody, we've mentioned Sia Khaleesi. Any, uh, any other names out there? We've heard about Elliot Stook and Oli Devoto to, to Wasp as well. Uh, no comment. Uh, no comment. And and that means... Uh, <laughs> 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 and no comment. And no, there's, there was no meeting in a service station. And Will Rollins is definitely going to the Dragons, yes. <laughs> That's all I can say. Uh, and the Will Rollins one, it's a shame he's got to leave Wasps because uh, he's come through from uh, Cambridge University you know, under Launchbury and other players. He's now a fully-fledged international for Wales and he's a damn good player um, and growing year why on year. Why would he go to Dragons? Well, I don't know about going, well, the most money probably. Let's let's be truthful about it. Um, he's got to go back to Wales to continue being an international rugby player for Wales. He cannot re-sign for Wasps um, as it stands with the 60 cap rule and, and when you come out of contract uh, as a player that's playing for Wales in a foreign country, if you then choose not to sign for a region and you haven't got 60 caps you can't play for their national team so he has to go back to Wales uh, he's probably got I don't know 10 caps now maybe maybe a couple of less than that he has to go back to Wales to, if he wants to play international rugby for Wales which he does um, and on the table there are the four regions um, and I think from what I hear the Dragons are <laughs> offering a decent chunk of cash for him so um, if the money's there and one of my biggest offers in my career was from the Dragons, which I turned How down. How much? How much? I can't tell you, James. <laughs> three, three bags of cheese and onion crisps and a can of Diet Coke. Um, but yeah, fair play to him. He's got to go back for international rugby and I think the biggest offer on the table is from the Dragons. Right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly and Suns are on board again to kick off the new year, aren't they, Goody? Yes, and we've been using Suns and we're going to have to use a lot more of Suns over lockdown to come out of lockdown with a full thatch of hair. So get on Suns. You're looking lush, Jim. You've been using it over Christmas? Yes, I have. And all I'm thinking is Ushuaia, lights on, June, July, full lid, moustache, ripped to smithereens, and probably an athlete's foot as well, because I'll be training loads and I'll probably get an athlete's foot. Suns is a men's health brand that's helping guys with one of the key issues that they don't often talk about, how to keep their hair. They do this by offering free online consultations with GPs, providing a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss and delivering via a monthly subscription service direct to your door. They get results in 9 out of 10 men and you can take the consultation in less than 2 minutes. So what are you waiting for? Just visit suns.co.uk and use the code RUGBYPOD20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's sons.co.uk and the code RUGBYPOD20. So go and check them out and show hair loss who's boss. Yeah, loads of good as ever around the world of rugby. And we're going to start off in the Guinness Pro 14. And the first good, the first mention has to go to Connacht. Finally ending Leinster's 26-game winning run in the Pro 14. They dominated them at the RDS Arena in Dublin for the first time for 18 years. Hell of a win for Connacht. Jack Carty scored 25 points, which equals the most anyone has ever scored against Leinster in a professional game of ruggers. Hell of an effort that, eh, Jim? Proper, mate. Yeah, hell of a hell of a stint from those boys. Uh, sticking with the Guinness Pro 14 and Ulster, they made it ten wins out of ten for them this season after they beat Munster fifteen points to ten, and they are the only unbeaten team left in the competition. We're on the Cooney bandwagon again, aren't we? We are. I tipped Munster to beat Ulster. I don't know why. Ridiculous of me. 
Yeah, crazy, crazy scenes. Um, what else is good? Josh Beaumont, 15 months out with a knee injury. Uh, he comes back and he scores the winning try for sale at Gloucester. Um, it wasn't pretty. Uh, it was what he does well. Perhaps shouldn't have been a try because Dan DePrea should have been sent off and a penalty to Gloucester about three phases earlier. But but it was a try and it, we like Josh Beaumont. And we like his dad. dad. Came on as well. Yeah, we yeah. like his dad a little bit. Not as much as we would have if he would have come on the week that he said he was going to come on, but we still like him. Exactly. So uh, great to see Josh Beaumont back. Quality player. 15 months out is a long old time with an injury and then you get to score the winner in your first game back is outstanding. Uh, where else should we go in the... Uh, the good this week. Uh, oh, let, uh, yeah, let's, let me, let th- me think. We'll go over uh, to the top 14, Jim. We'll go over oh, to the top really? 14, yes. And I know Ra- where you're going, Rassim. We're going Rassim because they won in the snow at Claremont. Not many teams go to Claremont and win. Not many of us have said we've done it. I have. Jim? I don't imagine so, no. No, I no, I don't think through so. through the archives, no, I don't No, so. I don't think so. But Rassim uh, beat Claremont in the top 14. Simon Zebo scored the try from a wonderful cross-field, cross-field kick from Finn Russell. Uh, and it was a hell of a take over his head as well. And then steps the winger. So uh, tip of the slipper to Rassing. They're on fire and going well in the top 14. Um, what else was good this year? Let's go back to the Premiership. Okay. Let's go to the Premiership and let's go to one of my old clubs. Leicester. You're going yes, to Leicester, aren't we're gonna, you? We're, oh, we you are, are. We are. Is that the good? Is yeah, that the good? Well, it's not the good, but we're going oh, okay. to put Leicester in. We're going to mention specifically Jasper Visa. 16 carries, 88 metres, nine defenders beaten. Not bad for a number eight. If you want someone hard that can carry, go to South Africa, sign us African, put him in Leicester shirt. It'll get you a victory. So good to see Leicester beat their old rivals, Bath. Uh, and sticking with that kind of genre. The Premier The Premiership. Edinburgh. Oh, no, sorry. no. The Premiership. One of my old clubs. The mighty, 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 mighty Wasps. Is this a good absolutely this isn't the good but it gets a mention absolutely dominating uh extra chiefs not just beating but absolutely spanking extra chiefs 34 points to five so a hell of a victory for them but the good this week goes to one man and one man only joe simmons we joe- talked about him earlier not joe simmons but along the right lines jim it is the legend that is matt hampson obe it's taken way too long but he's finally been recognized in the queen's new year's honors list hambo you're a legend we love you we love everything you've done for your foundation and supporting the people that you have supported throughout thick and thin the goo this week goes to matt hampson obe error uh, the bad uh, a few bits of bad actually and i don't know where to start with this we're going to go to the guinness pro 14 and i don't know whether it's the game itself or the commentary team or the pitch side analysts, uh, because the Edinburgh versus Glasgow game, how bad was that, Jim? It was good. It didn't reflect, the score did not reflect the game. 64 minutes until the opening score of a game. It was nil-nil up until the 64th minute. It was was on a knife edge, mate. It was just the commentary was, how bad was the comms? It it probably weren't the best. It was me and Barkley, and, (laughs) you know, it's... um, yeah, cold. It, it probably probably wasn't great. It was cold, but I thought the game was actually all right. And I'm not, hey, I'm not trying to sell you a pencil. That's what I said on comms. No one laughed. You're not what? I said on comms. It's not. I'm not trying to sell you a pencil with it being nil nil. No one laughed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I well, don't. Yeah. I know. I know. A bit awkward, eh? That's yeah. what it is. That's, <laughs> there well, we that's go. what I was like. Yeah. So it was a bang average game, um, but Edinburgh got the victory. Um, what else was bad? Uh, Nigel Owens. I'm going to stick him in the bad this week. I did it on purpose. Profile. 
He did. I think he did. But he's gone out onto the field as the referee and forgot to take his cards with him for the Scarlets versus Dragons game. And then when he had to brandish a yellow card, he didn't have one. He couldn't find it in his pockets. Well played him, though, because it's more clicks on Twitter and well played him for the after dinner speaking circuit. So he's going to get a mention in the bad. Um, What else was bad? We're going to mention Wasps purely because Alfie Barbary's injury is out for three months. Hell of a player bursted onto the scene in Eddie Jones's thoughts, in Eddie Jones's squad in the Autumn Internationals. Unfortunately, he's got syndesmosis. He's out for three months now when looking in fantastic form. We're going to go over to the top 14. And we have to mention one of my old clubs in the good. We're going to mention one of my old clubs in the bad, gym. Breath. Oh, my breath. Oh, my breathe. What's who ta- happened? Who takes 50? They took 50 Ugh. points at Stade Francais. 50. Oh, uh, Ravos. Oh. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, not great for them, but... Uh, they had a good Christmas, so they beat Cast away from home last week. So not all bad, but bad taking 50 up at Stad. What else was bad? Gloucester. Although they weren't bad, they've now lost six of their last nine home games. Oh, gosh. And a bottom of the Premiership, so we'll give them a mention. Another bad, Benetton. Treviso. Jim, what have you done to that club ever since you did the documentary? <laughs> I predicted them to beat Zebra. Not that many people are interested, but what has happened, I don't know. <laughs> well, don't they, know. they lost to Zebra at home, and they've now lost all eight of their Pro 14 games this year. So uh, people talk about the Italians having them in a competition. It ain't going so well for Benetton. Gutted. The bad this week can only go to one man, though. And I mentioned him earlier. He was either having a poo or in the biscuit tin. Jeff Warren, how have you checked that Shoulder to the head by Dan Dupreer on Chris Harris. How have you checked it and missed it? It's a straight red card. We want it out of the game, Jeff. Stop eating the biscuits. Stop going for a poo mid-game. Whatever you're doing, Jeff Warren, experienced TMO this week, you are getting the bad. You're out. And then the ugly. A uh, couple of bits of ugly, actually. We obviously mentioned one, Dan Dupreer's cheap shot on Chris Harris. That gets a nod. That gets a mention. Not up for that one at all. It doesn't win the ugly. What wins the ugly this week is, unfortunately, the racist abuse that has been directed at Welsh winger Ashton Hewitt on Twitter over the weekend. It's an absolute disgrace what he switched his phone on to to read about himself. Um, Absolutely no place for it in the game uh, anywhere. So hopefully the police catch up with whoever posted it. Um, Have a word. No place for racism in our society at all. So um, that gets the ugly this week. Ridiculous. Error. Thanks, Scooty. And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, haven't you, Jim? Yeah, we want to give a big shout-out to everyone at Rabina Rugby Club after they had some sad news over Christmas. Team manager Di Hobbs has sadly been diagnosed with terminal pancreatic cancer, but the lads are doing a challenge over January to raise money for Di's chosen charities, and over 200 people from all different rugby clubs over South Wales are joining them as well and running 100 kilometres each. They're all raising money for Cardiff Mind, the mental health and well-being charity and the School of Hard Knocks, the rugby union-based charity that uses sport to tackle unemployment and teach some valuable life lessons. Di has been the heart and soul of the club for over 40 years and the news has shocked everyone. But they're doing great things for his chosen charities and you can check it all out at justgiving.com forward slash team forward slash 100km4. H-O-B-B-S-Y. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Leave us a review and check us out on YouTube as well. And sign up to the Scottish Exiles on doddyaid.com. Rugby pod. Do that. Do that for our skipper, Jim. Pod, pod, pod. (laughs) 